Welcome to the Dylan Experience. Today is episode 54, and I've got a special guest for you again. Before we get to that special guest, make sure you like, subscribe, follow, you know, do all the things that you do to make sure you stay in touch with the podcast. But today, my guest is a performer, a producer, writer, and a director of over 16 years. She's the writer and producer of Inconceivable, the totally true one-woman semi-fertile quasi-musical which is a one-woman comedy show depicting an honest look into the complexity of modern infertility. It is an expression of her own fertility experience expressed through humor and comedy and has graced stages large and small over the, all over the world. I'd like to present Mayrav Zur. Hi, Mayrav, thank you? you. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I am wonderful. I, I'm, really, I'm really curious about this, this whole... <laughs> This whole conversation is really interesting to me because I don't, one, I, I don't think I've ever had a comedian on my show. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if you can call yourself a comedian of sorts, but I, it's a comedy show. So tell me, yeah. tell me about, tell me about you. Tell me about why, why this, why, why do you do what you do? Tell me who you are. Uh, sure. I guess, you know, it all kinds of, it, it's like, it all ties in and doesn't as people do. <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, so I'm uh, professionally, I'm all about performance and theater, uh, specifically live theater. Um, I've done some screen work too, but I, you know, started out as a typical actor. Uh, I quickly went on to um, kind of create my own work. So I inevitably became also a producer and director and writer. And I was just basically creating shows and performing in them and just creating new shows and performing in them and just constantly doing that uh, professionally. I, I love it. I love everything about theater. I'm a big believer that theater is very parallel to real life. Uh, I know people that aren't into theater or haven't had any experience with either side of theater uh, don't really see that, but, but it's so, it's just there. And, uh, you know, I was doing this for years. Um, meanwhile, in parallel, in my private life, um, I was experiencing with my husband uh, infertility and then also secondary infertility. And I wasn't talking about it with anyone because clearly we were the only freaks of nature in the world <laughs> because no one around us was talking about it either. So that's just how it felt like. And I didn't want I didn't want to even talk about it because I didn't want to be even more different and, uh, you know, pitied or misunderstood or whatever. So I just didn't talk about it. I made my husband not talk about it and that was it. And we just, you know, kept on as it was. Um, and my husband actually always did want me to talk about it with someone, but I just couldn't. And then something just clicked, I guess, uh, a few years ago. Um, and I said, okay, I think I might be ready to talk about it with someone or maybe people that I'm close to, but I just didn't know how to do it. And that was really frustrating. Cause I was like, okay, now I'm finally, I feel like I'm okay with it, but now what do I do? Like, what do I say? I don't want to start like, you know, crying and making it this whole like devastating thing. And I didn't know how to do it. And when I finally thought of that, I said, okay, what if I utilize my professional background? And so I said, okay, I can, I, I think I could do it with comedy. I could do that. Like that finally became kind of this language that I was able to 
kind of figure things out because throughout the whole time, um, I mean, I was using comedy throughout because if it's like, you know, if you don't laugh, you cry type of situation. Right. So there would be that. And I said, okay, maybe I could just do something with that. So I, I figured that was that. And then I just went all in. I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to do that with like, you know, one of my friends and then meet my other friend. I just want to get it over with. So I basically decided to create this event. Um, I literally created a group text um, with some of my close friends. And I said, Hey, come to my house on this and this date for some hormones and cookies, or I don't know what I called it. <laughs> and, um, and they all, of course know what I do and everything. And they're like, okay, we'll come, you know, I don't even think they knew what they were coming to, but they indulged me and, and they're awesome. And they came and I literally had, um, my close friends sitting in my living room in front of me, as I was in front of them, just kind of telling them everything that I was going through uh, for the past few years, but I didn't tell them like a story. I, I told them with silly characters and funny songs and I used props and I had this whole like, you know, uh, visual aid thing going on. Like I, I, I just did it, it different and it was funny. Um, and my friends were laughing also, you know, it was like, and I was like, okay, I can do that. And then when it ended, you know, I, I, it was like so exposing. So I said, okay, we're done. I literally went to the front door and opened it and expected them to just shuffle out and we'll never have to talk about it again. Um, but what happened was they stayed and they kept talking. It kind of brought up a lot of stuff that they had experienced, um, similar stuff. And that got me thinking, okay, wait a minute. What is happening here? We're a group of supposedly close friends, but we didn't really know all these little bits and pieces about each other. Yeah. This is clearly happening elsewhere. Like I, that got me really interested in that. And uh, my friends, of course, you know, they said, you have to do this as one of your shows. Like you have to create this as a show. And I initially doubted because I said, who would want to come see this? Like that, you know, people that don't know me, like who'd be interested to watch, you know, some strange woman talk about her reproduction issues, <laughs> you know, on stage and, and laugh about it or whatever. And, uh, but I said, okay, I, I took it as like a professional challenge sure. and I, and I worked on it for over a year. I created this solo comedy show, uh, knowing fully well that it was only going to be a one night only event, but I said, I'm just going to do it just to, you know, prove to myself that I can do it, I guess. And I did it. And that after that one show, it just kept going. Cause it was, the response was just so overwhelming. I, I didn't, I really didn't expect it. People, you know, came up to me after the show and were like, thank you for telling our story or thank you. This is something that our daughter was apparently going through, but we had no clue what she was really going through or, you know, things like that, that really shocked me. And I heard a bunch of other people that were started sharing their story and, you know, things I didn't even know about. And it just kind of took a life on of its own from there. And I, I just, I got to do all these things I never expected through the show and, and meet all these people and hear all these stories. And uh, not only did it clearly make me feel not alone, but I was like, wow, there's, you know, this whole world of silence, <laughs> you know, around this thing. And then I just, I was like, oh, okay, now I got it. Now it's like my mission. Like I have to have people see this show so they can know what their friends are going through and their families going through because, you know, statistically everyone knows someone, even if they don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how that started. 
there's there's so many interesting things in there um (laughs) yeah i want to define i think i think we should define one thing before we kind of move forward for those who don't know what secondary um, right infertility is can you can you explain that to to those people sure so infertility basically is uh, kind of like the inability to procreate to have kids and secondary infertility is when people already have a child but they can't uh, have a second or third, or they're just unable to expand their family for whatever reason. And specifically with uh, my husband and me, we had what's called unexplained infertility and unexplained secondary infertility, which I call the fun kind, (laughs) because it's more frustrating because there is no clear reason uh, as of today in medicine, but there's no clear reason. So, and that, you know, like that's me and me and my wife have had three um, three miscarriages since we started. Um, and, and luckily for us, we are about to have our, our first child together. Um, and that like, I I feel like when you deal with secondary infertility, there is just a, there's a, there's this burden of expectation that, that is almost more defined and more, um, I don't know, it's, it's more I, I don't know a good word for it, but it's just destructive. Oh, way. totally. And, totally. And, and I'm curious, like, what is your experience with that? When you think about your journey, like, what was it like for you to deal with that specifically? Um, that was like, I mean, can I, can I curse on the, oh, on the, fuck yeah. that's oh, like hey. a, it's like a mind fuck. It's like a complete mind fuck because it's like, yeah, you know, for, for us going through it, you know, at the beginning when you, when we couldn't, uh, um, you know, have our first child and it was like frustrating or whatever. And, and then we had our child. And then when we tried again, we were like, okay, the mechanics obviously work. We have proof, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then it's more, even more frustrating. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, medically it's even more unexplained because, right. uh, okay, it happened, but now for some reason, it's really not happening. We don't know. And, and that's just like, there has to be a reason you're just not there yet, or you don't want to, or I don't know what it is, but tell me the reason, you know, and, and right. I'm not a medical professional. And then it, it kind of changes you into this, you know, Google medical professional, <laughs> right. which is horrible. Yeah. Um, and, and also, um, socially, uh, you know, with me, I, I found out that it's like, you know, when, when I did find that I could speak about it and then I started meeting people that um, I, you know, in this community of infertility, um, I kind of, you know, I'm one of those people in secondary infertility where you feel like you're, you're not there. You're like, you're too infertile for the fertiles but for, right. you know, and you're too fertile for the infertiles and you're kind of like, oh, okay. And, and so you, and there's so much like guilt and frustration and it's crazy. And then there's also, you know, our child, which, uh, you know, it, uh, I have it all in my show. Like at some point it was okay at first, but at some point she starts asking for siblings and it's like, oh, okay. Now it gets complicated. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's very complex. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, you know, cause we, we talked about it, um, with people after I want to say the second or third one, I can't remember exactly when it was written in there. Um, and I, I feel like, like when, when I look back, there are times where I'm like, the silence was actually more comfortable, you know? And cause when you talk about it, 
people have no idea what to say. They have absolutely right. no clue. And so you, you learn things about the people around you, the friends that you hold, the family that you hold, that they, you realize that they have absolutely no idea how to be empathetic towards something like that, or even be compassionate towards talking about something like that. And I found that to be, in, in, in my line of work, it's fascinating because I study mental health, I study people, um, you know, and I don't really take anything personal because people are just ignorant in, in so many facets of life. So there's no point, but not everybody can do that like I do, right? And so it's, I think that just makes it all, all the more complicated. Like it's almost, and I hate to say this, but it almost feels more comfortable to be silent when, when we're talking about that than yeah. it is to talk to people, even people who've been through it don't know necessarily how to be compassionate about it. It's, it's a really interesting and, and yeah. such a complex topic. It's, I, it's totally. remarkable that you do like, you know, this whole show on it. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like on that? I, I mean, I, I agree. It's, I think maybe another reason why I, I didn't talk about it for so long because it was, you know, more comfortable and convenient. I didn't have to find all the ways to explain something. I didn't have to see how a person is understanding or not understanding. And, you know, and I've talked about this a lot. And uh, I remember one person I was talking to said, oh, so, you know, you're doing this show about infertility and you're speaking, you know, as if you're like advocating um, and talking about it, but people are talking about it. I mean, people know. And I, and I responded, yes, you're right. Nowadays, there are more people that know the word infertility and they've heard IVF and they've heard of, you know, these things, but they don't know what that entails. That entails a day-to-day -day, hour by hour craziness. It is yeah. so consuming and so loaded um, that it's, it's not enough uh, one word. It's not enough, you know, to, to know. So again, when you're saying people don't understand how to be empathetic, it's because they don't really understand what that is. Yeah. They don't understand what, what it is. What does it mean to, to go through this? Right. Um, and even if, you know, people are dealing with infertility who are not necessarily going through an IVF treatment, that's still a daily thing. And yeah. I mean, mental health and infertility, it's like hand in hand, it's like all the time. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's also, I think even more exponential because I think, you know, we're, we're part of that generation. And sadly, I think it's still going on that when we were at the age of learning about, uh, you know, sex and reproduction and all that, it was all around that time where we were having, you know, sex ed and things like that. And we were completely, um, misinformed or, or got lack of complete information on this. And some of that information that did seep in was mainly, stay away from it because it happens so quickly. Pregnancy is like this. It's like, you know, you walk by the opposite sex and bam, so you better watch out. And so it, you are sure that one in one is three, like you are sure it's, it's going to happen. You know, you, once, once you are trying it's, there's no such thing as trying it's, it's, a, it's instant. Yeah. Um, so when something, you know, and, and after going through, you know, anything like miscarriages and infertility, and you start to kind of, you know, uh, learn about more about it. You're like, Oh my God, like a child being born is practically a miracle. Practically planets are lined up for this to happen because it's so complex and so intricate and so many factors go into this. So, um, and that's a, a great, uh, thing that, that I think we, we missed, uh, not to mention that I think, you know, generally, men and women, specifically women, females don't really know yet how their body works. 
They don't all like you ask an average woman. Um, and even me, like when I was going through it, you don't really understand how your body is supposed to work. So of course it's going to be even more frustrating and you're going to even feel, you know, why don't we know these things? Why is this? We are living in this body. Why are we not, you know, understanding how it works and also mental health? Like, why are we not understanding this is a complete, you know, thing? I I think to add to that, what, what makes it all the more, like all the more complicated is if you don't have the right relationship with the person that you're with, I, I, I can't imagine how difficult it would have been had, like, I'm, I'm a remarkably empathetic person, my wife, and I watched her go through this, you know, and that's what you do as a man, I think, is that you watch your, your wife or your girlfriend or, you know, whatever relationship you have with this person, you watch them go through this. And there's, there's really nothing I can do. There's really nothing that I, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't make things happen more, right? I can't do anything yeah. else. Yeah. You know, and so you're trying to, as a man, be supportive, as supportive as you can. And one, if you don't have a man that is supportive, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just, I, I can't even imagine what that would feel like for a woman to go through that. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's exhausting to, it's two different experiences. Basically what I'm trying to say is like, women have to deal with the constant tracking, the constant kind of, uh, how do I, how do I create some form of support for myself of my body is, is going to do this. It's just going to take time, you know, and, and that's, that's nearly impossible sometimes when you're consistently failing at this, at this seemingly, uh, you know, what we're taught is easy idea of what, yeah, you know, it's, it's, an, it's nature, right. Right. And then men, I think, historically have to have to go through this feeling of helplessness, you know, and, and if you don't know how to deal with helplessness as a man, oh man, it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I think I'm lucky. Well, it's, it's odd that I say lucky, but I've dealt with helplessness before I've, I've lived through that concept. You know, I, I lost my dad to suicide. So I feel and understand that feeling and how to work through it and process it very well it was remarkably difficult watching my wife go through that. But if you've never been through that, that is its own experience that is remarkably hard. You know, it's just, it's so hard on two different people in two different ways. And I still remember some of the conversations me and my wife would have of like, you know, she would ask me like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I, I even know how to explain it to you. Right? Yeah. And then she, she would do the same thing. Like, I don't even know how to explain it to you. I'm like, yeah, I think it's gotta be okay. You know? And that's so, that can be so disconcerting in a relationship. And if you don't have a good relationship, that's really hard. Yes. Um, I, I have to add to that, that, you know, going into creating a new life, uh, which, which for some people is still easy as we learned it was supposed to be. Right. And some people, you know, create life unexpectedly and things like that. But you know, when you're going into this, if you're planning it, uh, you know, you better be all in with, with it's, it's such a, you know, it, it, it's such a team effort really. Yeah. Um, and especially with infertility and going through all that, if you're not fully all in supportive, you know, part of this team, it is even more difficult and it's already incredibly difficult as a default. Um, and I have to say that while I was, you know, um, I remember that I, um, my husband and I were at this 
one of the clinics or something, we were talking to someone and she was telling us about all these couples that have gone through IVF, for example. So it means that they've gone through the whole infertility thing. They've started this IVF process. Um, some of them going through multiple cycles, eventually they did have a child and then they ended up divorced. Um, because it, everything you just said, it's so much, and it can be such a strain and then, oh my God. So now you have kind of like the goal you were going for, but you don't have the, you don't have the initial vision of what, you know, so, so now what? So it's, it's such a strain. And I think it's very, um, it's also very sad that a lot of people going into this don't know that. And I, and I, for sure, am one of them. Like, you know, when my husband and I went into this, we didn't know how much of a strain it'll be. We just eventually went to the doctor and he said, this is what you need to do. And we said, okay, it's the doctor. And we yeah. did what we were told, but no one said, oh, by the way, you should, uh, you know, look out for your mental health. And by the way, um, this is you know, what it's, it's going to feel like. Yeah. And, and you might encounter this and all the people around you and, you know, physical things. No one said that there was no pamphlet, just like there's no pamphlet for having, you know, raising a child. There's yeah. definitely no pamphlet for infertility, which is odd. Cause you can make one for that. I mean, you can right. make something, something, right. some little, you know, heads up a little heads up. That would be nice. And, you know, it's, um, and it's very sad that that's the, still the state of things. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, like I still, I still remember, you know, so many conversations between me and my wife. And I think, I think what helped us was I had, when we started uh, trying for a baby, I had just gotten home from Afghanistan. So I had, I had a year long deployment kind of separated from my wife. She had, uh, she was going to like grad school during that time. So she was, before I left, she was in grad school while I left, she was in grad school. And when I came home, she was finishing grad school. And so throughout this whole time, she's going through all of these, you know, this remarkable stress, you know, as am I, I'm, I'm just in a different, different place. Um, and so I think that, that stress, that adversity, all of those obstacles that we were facing when we started doing this process, and it became our focus because she ended grad school not long after I came home. Um, it became a, a form of kind of, we were coming together naturally um, because we had just gone through so many different obstacles. Um, and I think when you, when you really learn how to do that, and I think we were, you know, as tragic as it may be to go through that stuff, um, that stuff set us up for success, kind of stepping into that process of, you know, we started with, with just trying, right. And no IUI, no IVF, no, nothing like that. It was just, Hey, we're, we have a fertility doctor and, you know, we, we, I think she started certain medications and stuff like, and, and vitamins. And we were trying for about a year. Um, and that's when, uh, I think right when I came home, she had her first, uh, chemical pregnancy. And then it wasn't for, I think a year, and in a couple months, maybe a, maybe a little bit less, um, when she had her first miscarriage, and it was, I mean, that one that that first one was hard, um, but it was it was a chemical pregnancy, and not to say not to dismiss it, but it certainly wasn't nearly as hard as seeing an ultrasound of yeah. what we had, and then yeah. realizing, you know, as a it was God, it was the the ovum. What is a um, I, I 
I can't think of the word right now. Um, where there's there's a, there's cells, but there's no there's no life. What yeah. Yeah. Um, um, uh, it's, it's I'm instant too, but yes. Yeah. 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 I can see what you're saying, but, but basically like we saw yeah. that and, and it's, yeah, that's hard, you know? And, yes. and, and when you, I, I still remember kind of getting in the car and just no words, you know, just, yeah. just tears. And, and yeah, again, you know, like I feel absolutely helpless. I'm sure she felt absolutely helpless and it's just, how do you, you know, if you don't think about that as a couple before you start that, like you do not know what you're getting into because yeah. that can be, that can be a moment of, of real separation or real connection. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it, uh, totally. And, and actually every moment is like that. Every yeah. moment can be, you know, this moment that you're, you know, going to work together to move forward, or it's going to chisel away at you moving forward. Um, and it's one of those choices that it's like such a pain that you have to, you know, consciously make, but you have to consciously make, because right. that's, that's what you sort of, that's what you can do because everything else is just so out of your control and so out of, right. um, you know, so much. So yeah, that it's, it's vital having that good partnership. It's a blighted ovum, by the way. Oh, okay. Right. I yes. That would have not that. come to me in the next hour, but <laughs> I know I had to look it up because it does yeah. bother me, but yeah. yeah. So tell me with, with, with your show, obviously yeah. I like, I feel like at this point with having a show like yours, you've kind of stepped into this realm of becoming like the expert on advocacy <laughs> for this. So tell me what you've kind of learned from this show over the last, how many, how many years have you been doing it? How I've been much? doing this since, uh, uh, November, 2017. Um, wow. and, and also paused a bit during the pandemic, of course. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what, what have you learned in those, you know, what, five years of yeah. um, the show? I mean, like everything I'm talking about now, these are things I would have never even thought about then. So what I've learned is definitely, you know, it's okay to try to figure it out. It's okay to, you know, talk about things. Um, I really do think that I wasn't ready to talk about it. And, and, and it was, I was doing like, I was at my, my own timing and it was okay. But I really do think that if I, if I knew more people, like that around me, then I would have not thought it was so strange to talk about or so uncommon. And it would have been so much more, you know, less, so much less of a burden. It would be, you know, there'd be more healing opportunities, more, you know, kind of a ways to wrap your brain around. Cause there's so much to wrap your brain around. Yeah. Um, and you know, you end up doing this, like, you know, in your brain, it's you go off on all these tangents and it's like, you know, you're churning all this water of like <laughs> craziness. So, you know, it, I remember that like one, one time we were at the start of another cycle and, um, my, uh, fertility doctor said, Oh, you know, we're starting at this clinic. Uh, there are like these group therapies if you want to go to, but you know, you don't, you don't have to go to, um, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I'm not going to that. Like group therapy, therapy in general, that's for crazy people. Like, you know, like I never would have thought, but if he would have said, you have to go like, just try it. Yeah. 
I'm sure that if I would have gone, I would have been like, oh, people like me. Oh, and it's okay. Right. And we're not crazy and it's okay. And this is, right. you know, everyone's got mental health. It's, it's a thing. It's, you know, taking care of yourself. And I, I just didn't know that. And that's just such a shame because it's just like, it's, it's all this, you know, lost time and unnecessary pain and, you know, all this stuff. And, um, and that's, you know, I think that that's what I learned. I think it's, it's okay to kind of, you know, if it feels like a risk, take that risk to talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely. And, and for me, you know, with this show, it was everything. It was exposing my very personal story, not just a personal story of, let's say like my childhood, this is like super literally, you know, privates, <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's that right. Ex it, exposing that. And also it was professionally was my first solo show. It was the first time I was literally alone on stage uh, performing. So it was a lot for me to do. Um, and, and it's, you know, this weird kind of odd therapy session, <laughs> like it's therapy for me, it's therapy for the audience. It's, it's, right. it's really, you know, a strange kind of thing, but, it, but it's there. So I think the main thing learning it uh, from it is there's, you know, there's so much that that can be done. Just like, it's okay to talk about it, to open up a little bit about it. And, you know, what what initially kind of gave you the courage or I guess the what was the stubbornness behind, you know, like, you know, obviously stepping into one, this show that is such a deep, that has such a deep connection to you and your soul and your yeah. private life. But not only that, but this, this first solo attempt at, at running a show like that, I, I can't, you know, right now I can't even like. I've, I know I've done it. Like I've, I haven't necessarily done the acting. I'm not a theater yeah. person. I'm one oh, of those and, people that, that yeah. is not a theater person, <laughs> but I've gotten up on stage and talked to people, you know, I've talked yeah. to hundred, hundreds of soldiers and about my suicide attempt and, and my life and everything like that. But, you know, I know where my ambitions lie or not necessarily ambitions, but courage, where did, where did yours come from? And what did you kind of do to prepare yourself for that? Um, you know, it was kind of maybe a culmination of a few things, um, at the time, uh, professionally, you know, I, I had these multiple shows going on, but, um, I, I wanted to kind of do more and there's always that issue of like, you know, budgets and, and, you know, and, and technical stuff. And so, you know, a solo show is, is very easy production wise because it's just me, um, uh, you know, tech is much easier, the set, everything, lighting, it's, it's all much, you know, a, a smaller scale in, in many respects. So I said, you know, I should try that, but I never, I was like, what am I going to talk about then? What am I going to do a solo show about? And I could have performed a solo show that was written about, you know, a historic figure or someone, whatever, but nothing really kind of like, you know, called out to me oh, to right. say, okay, this is it. And, and then at that time, you know, it, we had a miscarriage. It was our, I think third or fourth, but it was, I think the most crushing one because, uh, you know, after a while of infertility and we, we decided, okay, we're not doing any treatments or anything. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't because it's just too much, you know, um, brain wise and, and relationship wise and family wise. And we're like, we have a daughter, we have to, you know, look out for, we can't have this strain anymore. Let's just, you know, go with the flow. If it happens, it happens. If not, it's not. 
And it was this like kind of crazy, stressful time uh, with work or I had like shows and I started like kind of feeling kind of weird, but I was like, okay, I don't know what, what's happening. It's, just, it's too much stress, whatever. And then at some point I kind of realized that I haven't had my period in a while. And so, you know, what happened was we went through miscarriage within two weeks of finding out that we were pregnant because I found out that we were pregnant very, very late. Wow. And so it was literally, we found out I was pregnant, like, um, you know, officially. And then it was right about that time to do the first scan just because it was so late. So we had a scan, we heard a heartbeat and everything. And, um, and it was like an initial thing, but we said, okay, your major scan is in two weeks go then. Okay, fine. You know, we heard, we heard the first ultrasound is fine. Um, and we weren't telling anyone just yet. We went in for the ultrasound and just like last time I was like, oh, just don't tell if, tell us if it's a boy or a girl. We just want to know that it's healthy, you know? And then there was like this silence and you, you just know like what's wrong. There was no heartbeat. So it's like, you know, when, when you find out like that, it was, it was just like this up and down in such a small amount of time. And then I had to go in to do a DNC, which I don't know if you had that lovely experience of, but it was, it's this uh, surgical procedure to kind of, you know, take out all the stuff, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, so there was that. And, you know, and it was just so much, we were, we were just, we were bawling like in front of this nurse. Cause, cause what else could we do? And it yep. was like, and so after that, I think I just kind of felt like I'm like, I'm done. Like I, there's no reason, like, what am I, why am I not talking about it? it I think I kind of felt like that, but again, I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So I just said, okay, you know, and then when I, when I did it in front of my friends and, and I said, okay, I, I got that out. And they, and they urged me to do the show. I kind of said, could that be the show? Like, could, could that be a solo show that I, you know, and it kind of came together in that way. And, you know, it took me a long time. I took a long time to do, you know, it was a whole year. I took my time. I didn't want to rush it because it's such a loaded thing. And so um, it, it took a while, but when it, you know, and when it was ready, it was just like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm there with the ready show two seconds before showtime for the premiere. And I'm like, okay, is this happening? But you just, you know, you take the leap and that's just kind of, I guess the, that courage part, you just, okay, we're, they, we're here, might as well, you know, go all in. Yeah. Yeah. You, you almost, you almost just get yourself to the point where you can't make any other choice, but right. forward. Right. And it's, um, and it's this whole kind of, you know, concept that it's ironic because, you know, while I was going through this personally, I'm doing these shows, including improvisational shows, and I've been running, you know, workshops and, you know, the whole thing with improv, I don't know if you've heard, but it's this concept of yes. And which is such a wonderful concept for life. Um, have you heard of this? I haven't. I, I'm curious um, now. So this is. Awesome. Okay. So I don't know if you've ever seen any improv, like whose line is it anyway, yep. or so that's short form improv. And there's also this thing called long form improv, which is basically a whole play, a whole like hour long that's been made up on the spot. But the, the basic concept in order to make it work is that foundation of yes. And which basically means when you're on stage, whatever you suggest, or if you're suggested something, 
you have to say yes. It's not the word yes, but you have to go with it. And not only that, you have to do and. That means you have to contribute and add something to it because the whole purpose is to make the scene move forward. Mm -hmm. So if someone comes, you know, your partner on stage says, um, did you bring the, you know, did you bring the rope to climb the tree? And you're like, dude, we're, we're on stage. There's no tree here. There's no, what are you talking about? You know, or, or no, we're at a bank or whatever. Then you, you basically killed the scene and everyone's looking at you and you have nothing. But if you said, yes, you're like, yeah, I brought the rope. And I also brought some marshmallows we can snack on on top, you know, whatever, like you throw in yeah. another thing and suddenly, oh, there's marshmallows. Like, you know, people like picture this thing and you have this whole scene set up and you're moving forward. And so that's kind of like the concept, you know, uh, that a lot of people that, you know, know this thing, they kind of say, wow, that's good to do for life because, you know, in life, if something happens and you just, you know, block it and stop it, it's just kind of like this kill zone that, you know, nothing can happen after that. But if you go with that flow and maybe contribute something or add to it or see how you can expand on that, then things move forward. And so that's basically what I was not doing that whole time yeah. personally. Um, and once I did it, once I said yes, uh, you know, to, to, you know, talking about it and, and contributing and actually creating more, all these things happened. Like, you know, people came up and talked to me and, and I, you know, I got another show booking and, you know, I, I took it to, you know, off Broadway and I had, you know, these, I met all these people. I was in all these things, you know, it's, these things that like, I didn't even expect when I first, you know, opened my mouth about it. I just wanted to basically say the words without crying. So it's like, and, and it's, you know, this great thing that if you kind of adopt it in some way, it's very helpful. I, without ever knowing it, I've, I've certainly adopted it. Yeah. Right? That's, that's yeah. the, the interesting thing about, you know, the, the correlation between like this story and, and my own of, you know, I, I lost, like I said, I lost my dad to suicide at six. And then I nearly ended my own life when I was 25. So about seven years ago. Um, and in 2015, that, that kind of choice brought me to a point of understanding silence to a level of a level that I had never understood before. And I got, I got to this point where I'm like, I, if I, if I keep doing what I'm doing, right? I'm effectively killing the scene, right? I'm someday. It's not going to be the scene though. It's going to be myself. Yep. And what I found is that I, I just literally had to start with expression. I had to talk to someone. And so I started with my friends. I told my two best friends about what I had gone through a couple of days before I told my sister. And then I told my mom, which is arguably the hardest conversation I've ever had to have in my life. Um, and, and I have yet to find something that compares. Um, I've talked to people out of suicide, but still my mom and, and that conversation will never, you know, I don't think anything will ever lapse that conversation in, in hardness. And I find myself now just kind of looking at everything that has happened to me, you know, and I've, I certainly haven't had any less tragedy throughout, you know, the last seven years. Um, I've been to Afghanistan once to include, you know, all the miscarriages. I lost my grandpa last year. I lost a soldier to, um, to a firearms accident, one that I was in charge of in Afghanistan. I lost four guys in my battalion suicide before that. Um, and so I haven't been without tragedy and yet I keep going, you know, and I, I, I find myself in a remarkably beautiful place um, in this home with this, this wonderful this wonderful woman that I understand that she understands me. 
this, I have a stepson and I also have now a baby coming in June. Um, you know, and, and the interesting thing is I'm still as much as I understand and enjoy how much I have right now, because of what I've been through, especially with miscarriage, she's not here yet. And so I don't know how to be comfortable yet, you know, with her until she's here in my hands, just like holding her, you know, we, yeah. there's, there's still even there's moments where, you know, my wife will pull out the the Doppler and, and listen for her heart because she yeah. can't feel her moving. Yeah. And I'm like, I put my hand on her and she kicks me and I'm like, she's, she's good. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's, there's still a, a sense of discomfort there that she's not here yet. And who knows what can happen. And it's, 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 it becomes such a hard, you know, even when we feel like we're successful, we're not yet, you know, you just never know with life. It's such a, it's such a remarkable, a remarkable thing. And yet it's such a tragic thing. And I, I, I do love, you know, that, that idea of improvisation. And I think I've absolutely used it and sometimes more effectively than other times. And I think one of those times yeah. is now where I'm like, make sure you're saying yes. And not, <laughs> yeah, not. it's like, you know, it's this, they've, they've whittled it down to these two words, but it's just, it's, it's such an easier concept that way to, to, yeah to grasp. And I always say, you know, clearly use some common sense. It's not if someone offers you, you know, uh, crystal meth and you're like, yes, and, you know, it's not that, it's just, you know, it's, it's, um, but it's, it's a way to kind of, you know, go with the flow. And, you know, when I, when I was like looking back and I said, oh my God, I was not doing that. I was not doing that. And I've been, you know, like kind of, you know, preaching it. And then I, I kind of said, okay, yeah, I get that now, now, you know, and so that it, it was, it's kind of like very liberating in a way uh, to know that, okay, it's possible. Now I get it. Okay. Um, but yeah. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned, by the way, that you are not a theater person and you're not into theater, but the fact that you study people is theater because right. theater is basically that it's, it's yeah. people and how they, and how they, you know, function and how they work with each other. And so it's, and I love that about theater too. It's like, it gives you so much understanding and tolerance and, you know, because there's so much to each person that, you know, we don't see that when we're talking to people, like right. you don't see all their baggage and issues and problem and everyone's got them. Yeah. And, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a nice way to kind of remind yourself like, Hey, we're, we're all these complex people with our, you know, set of circumstances and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it, it is funny. Cause I, I, I talked about in my book about how I was, I was an incredibly good actor for 19 <laughs> years of my life. And, and I, and when I say, let me clarify, when I say I'm not a theater person, I don't go to the theater yeah, yeah, yeah. very yeah. often, but, <laughs> but I, I certainly am. I do understand that I, I was an incredible actor and I, in some ways still am. Um, but I, I don't do it around the right people. You know, I, I, you have to act, right? You can't, yep. you can't just be 100% you because that in some cases is crazy. Um, in other cases, it's just mindless. You know, it's, it can be, you know, you know, it is and it isn't. Uh, right? Cause when we were younger, there was no acting. It was yeah. just that that's who we were. And it was so pure. And, you know, you, if you look now at like a group of, you know, five-year-olds, it's the coolest thing. Cause they're, yeah. they're just like, it is what it is. And this is it. And, um, it's, it's a shame that we lose that, uh, most of us lose that when we're, you know, as we get older, uh, because of 
I don't know, these norms that somehow, you know, got crept into society, but yeah, there's, there's good reasons, you know, there's, there's good things that you lose because some people shouldn't do what they, (laughs) right. Like, Like as, as much as, you know, you recognize that there are good people out there, there are equally bad people out there if uncontrolled. Right. And so like, right. you, you have to be very mindful of, you know, yep. just because you lose the ability to do what you want. Um, doesn't mean that's a bad thing because people no. will do absolutely crazy things. And well, you know, it's also, things. um, yeah. And it's also kind of not necessarily losing it all the way. If you can, you know, there's a time and place for certain things. So if right. you can be, you know, your, your blunt and real and true and silly self in certain environments, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So with, with this, are you, are you still doing the show? How, how long do you kind of expect to do this? Where's it going? How big? Is yeah. It be? Um, I, so, you know, when I started, I didn't really know what the trajectory was and I was doing other shows, um, in parallel. Um, but you know, I, it, it's just the story that I, I keep saying, cause it's so uh, funny and frustrating at the same time. So I was, I literally had, I was in talks, um, you know, to making this something much bigger with, you know, other producers. And I had a whole U S tour lined up and the very first weekend of the tour was the very first weekend of the shutdown. So it was literally like, okay, <laughs> it was like infertility, but like the theatrical infertility in a way. Yeah. Um, and course. so, yeah, of course. So, you know, that happened. I, you know, after I was kind of wrapping my brain around what was happening, which also took a while, this, you know, that pandemic was like, oh, what was happening here? Um, then I kind of made a switch to virtual, which naturally is not the same as in-person shows right. for many reasons. Uh, but I did go virtual. And um, last year I had kind of this outdoor performance and now I'm, I'm actually working on new bookings, in-person bookings uh, for the and- summer. So yeah, it's slowly, hopefully we'll get back into that because I, I really think, you know, with every performance, I'm like, well, maybe I'll do like, I don't know, maybe it'll, it'll end in like, I don't know, move on to the next thing in like a month or two or three. But every time I do the show and the responses, I'm like, okay, I got to keep going. Cause it's like these people and then they have their friends. I didn't see it. And, you know, I got to explain, I got to explain, you know? So, um, that's just the thing. So now it's like my, I'm going on this like weird, you know, head against the wall mission to get it out there to as many people. So now like my big, kind of weird dream is to have this become a, a Netflix comedy special to just like get it out there. So that would be great. Have you considered or are you on TikTok? Um, okay. So I was on TikTok, but as a mental health person, I'm sure you're aware that TikTok is a very mental health thingy. <laughs> It is right. And, and so, yeah, it's, it sucks you in and sometimes gets very depressing and annoying and agitating and and stressful. So I was on it. I took a break. I know I should get back on it kind of like on my terms, but it's, I haven't yet. (laughs) So so I'm there, but I haven't posted in a while. I, you know, I've, I've been on TikTok for two years and I, I absolutely agree. And I find myself getting drawn in every once in a while, but when I, when I kind of started and I think what I learned in the first few months, cause now I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm almost to 600,000 followers and it's been two years and I'm like, I'm getting, I'm figuring it out at this point. I'm yeah. kind of like, I'm, yeah. I'm lowering my access to it. Cause I need to. Right. Right. Um, but 
if you go into it with a business focus of I'm going to post, I'm not going to watch, right? right. Of, of recognizing that this is a tool for the message. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it becomes a very incredibly powerful tool, right? You know, like when yeah. you, when you step into it as a creator, not a consumer, I think you, you approach it from a, from an angle that my message is more valuable than, right. me, than me digging into the content. And I'm not saying right. it's, it, you know, I, neither of us are, are looking at this and saying, this is a negative platform. Because oh no, of course not. And there's wonderful content on it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, we all know TikTok, right? Certainly my followers that are listening to this know TikTok because they know me through TikTok. It can, it can suck you in. It can, it can yeah. blast you with all the information that you want to see, you want to hear. And then you find yourself and at, that you don't want to hear <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning thinking, why am I not sleeping? Um, but when you, when you step into a message, certainly right now, I don't know where TikTok will be by the time this podcast episode airs, but TikTok is still a huge opportunity for, yes. for people that are trying to put out messages. Um, you know, it's, it's so, it's so easy. It's so simple. Um, it's, it's not that hard to figure out. And, and when you step into it consistently, you get results, um, more results than anything else. And I don't think that's really going to go away for a little while at least, but I, if I were you, I mean, the, the, yeah the infertility kind of discussion is only growing. And right. if, if we can get more people kind of talking about it and discussing it, I mean, right. do it. Yeah. 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 You're right. I will. Yes. And, <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> absolutely. It's, you know, it take your time with it. Right. Yeah. You know, like, like step into, step into the, you know, the TikTok realm of understanding this is what my goal is. This is what I want to do. I want to share right. my message um, and do that, you know? Yep. Yep. You have it. You have an important message to share. You know, because it's as as uncomfortable or as comfortable as silence might be with this, it's so beneficial to have conversations with people who understand it and are compassionate right. about it and even humorous about it, right? Like that comedy is also very yeah. important because it, you know, it denotes that we can actually laugh through this as well as cry because we because you will do both, right? Yep. You will you will realize yep. that, you know, checking ch tracking everything for you know. Yes. 12 days in it's a row surreal. is, is yeah. ridiculous and yeah. a little crazy and it makes you crazy and you can laugh about that. Yeah. But you can also cry, you know, yeah. and, and feel that stuff. And it's, it's hard, but we need people like you. Thank you. Yeah. Same to you. I think, you know, uh, I, I think mental health, whether infertility or otherwise, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, did we, when we were growing up, did we even hear the words mental health? I don't even think they existed. Um, I, it's not weren't allowed to talk about it. No, but the, I don't even think mental and health were used together no. and, and it wasn't a thing, uh, that people knew, right. you know, it was just, I don't know. And, and I think that it's great that you're, you know, putting the word out, first of all, talking about these things, because that's, I think the, the, as we're saying, the most important kind of first step to kind of put it out there, yeah. um, because it's so important. It's something like, you know, people put in so much of their time and energy and finances into like, you know, diets and, and exercise, like taking care of their physical body and the mental health is even right. more important. And it's just not, 
talked about as much. It's not given as much of, you know, the space. Yeah. Well, it is now. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. Well, that's what I think TikTok is really kind of allowed. I think TikTok's kind of that, that real platform where people are like, I'm tired of this fake stuff that's all over everywhere. And not, not to say that TikTok isn't fake either, but it's right. And there's, you know, the dancing, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's not a dancing app anymore. I know it's become, I, which, which I'm guessing that means all the young, all the young kids left maybe because they're like, what? we can't dance. This is what it was for. (laughs) They're going to move somewhere. And then that's where everybody else is going to move. Everybody follows the kids. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, it's true. It's uh, I think um, it's great that there is that platform of, you know, getting messages out there that people need to hear. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see one where TikTok goes, but also, you know, I'm, I'm being on TikTok and watching how, how things are discussed. Certainly like uh, for me, I see, I see a lot of like uh, domestic violence and, and mental health and that connection trauma, um, how trauma is kind of recognized from this point on. Cause it, you know, for the, for the last decade or so, I think trauma has actually been that at the forefront of discussion. Um, and now there's, there's parts of it where people are almost getting tired of hearing, but this is, this is a trauma response. I'm, I'm tired of this, right. I'm tired of hearing that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I think I take that as a good sign because too much information is, is not a bad thing when it comes to that, where, you know, you're, you're starting to recognize parts of yourself and it, it almost becomes annoying, but Hey, if it annoys you, maybe you should deal with it, you know, exactly. Because it's better than right. Better than not knowing anything about it or not hearing these terms ever. Right. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, like, yeah, things like, you know, PTSD and things like that, which by the way, also uh, I, I talk about in, you know, with infertility that, you know, it, it, it's just a lot of people automatically, uh, you know, their connotation of PTSD is military, like, yeah. you know, which it isn't. I mean, this is, could be a mm-hmm. lot of things um, and we- with infertility, especially, um, and, you know, even with me, like I'm dealing with PTSD and it's been like a while and I and understand, and I'm happy with the fact that I know that it will be all the time. Yeah. It will be, <laughs> it is. I've- I've been in the military for 14 years and, and it took me, it took me eight of those years to realize that my PTSD didn't come from the military. It (laughs) it came from my childhood. And when you start to really like, when you start to really recognize that the military does not have a monopoly on PTSD, (laughs) you start to get really, uh, really introspective about, oh my God, it happened to me. Right. I, I, I went through this. And just simply understanding, like, I would say, take PTSD out of it and just look at trauma. How do you define trauma and how is it relative to you? Because what I go through, you know, you know, on a drill weekend sometimes is highly traumatic, um, you know, compared comparatively to a three-year-old, right? A three-year-old trying to do what I do on a drill weekend would traumatize them, right? And so you, you cannot compare traumas across generations. You cannot, you cannot compare traumas to other people. You have to look at yourself and say, was this traumatic to me? And how do I define traumatic? Because it probably was, if you're, if it's something that recycles in your mind, it probably was traumatic. 
and it probably still is traumatic if it's still there. And it and, will still be. And it's and, something that it's now part of you and you have to know how to deal with it. You have to process it. Oh yeah, for sure. I think the processing is the, is the big thing. It's like, you know, um, I was talking to someone, I was like, why isn't therapy mandatory for everyone? Because <laughs> that's like something, you know, you got to know how to deal with your stuff. And, you know, a lot of people don't, most people don't, it's not, we're not taught that. Right. Um, and that's also a very important conversation that people don't have, because again, there's a lot of stigma to that. It's like, oh, therapy, that's, you know, that's yeah. crazy people. That's not, you know. Well, that's, that's why I have a job. That's the funny thing is like, I'm not a certified like therapist or psychologist or anything like that. And so people find me who have either had traumatizing experiences from the mental health system, even like the emergency medical system, or they've just been stigmatized to therapy to say, I won't go to a therapist, you know, they, or they've had right. bad experiences with therapists. And right. So they find me um, because I, I would say that I'm that link between having nothing and going to the mental health system. And that's just not okay. So, you know, like one, I see that in my own work and I'm like, there's a lot of demand for me. So we need more people like me, but you know, where's the conversation between mental health professionals and like people like myself. And certainly yep. what I do is risky, right? It's risky to me and my mental health because of the, the nature of who I deal with are people that are not all that happy with themselves, who are self-destructive, who are um, suicidal at times. And so that in itself is difficult, but it still needs to be a conversation of like the mental health systems losing people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and who's going to catch them? Who's going to help them? Who's going to support them? Are we going to let them die? Right. Or, or become addicts or become, you know, and hurt themselves abusers. or others in a way. Yeah. 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 Um, that is uh, very important. Um, yeah, it's it's a very a sad situation that has to be dealt with for sure. Yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm working on. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. So, I I don't necessarily have any further questions. Do you have any questions or any comments or any thoughts or any things that you want to share before we call it a day? Um. I, I mean, I, I think we can keep this conversation going for hours. I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good for now. I don't think I have anything. Maybe, you know, when we finish the conversation, I most likely will be like, oh, I could have right. said this. <laughs> right. That's well, usually what happens. Let's, let's, before we, I'm going to, I'm going to save the last question for a little bit further, Okay. but before we go, how can people one, find your show, go to your show or get in touch with you or watch you? Um, so I think the best to connect, uh, if it's online is through my website, which is, um, mirabzur.com. So M E I R A V Z U R.com. And through there, uh, you can go to the inconceivable show, my solo show and find out about that and where, when performances are coming up and other things I've done and, um, on social media, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I'm inconceivable show. That's my handle. Mm -hmm. And on Twitter, it's inconceivable sh <laughs> because it was too long. <laughs> so that's what I got. Somebody um, call Elon, fix that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, um, but that's how you can find me on social media. I'm uh, on social media. I'm most active on Instagram, but 
I will be yes, ending this conversation. And so I will be going back to TikTok um, uh, also. Perfect. And uh, yeah, so that's where you can find me. I'll see you there. Awesome. Um, well, before we go, you have to answer the last question. Right. And the last question is very simple. If there was one message you could leave the world, what would it be? You are not alone, as cliche as that sounds, but you are not alone because humans are both extremely unique and extremely similar. So I think that is the most important thing is don't ever feel alone because you're not. So it's good to kind of go with your gut with things and yes. And I, I honestly was like, <laughs> when you, when you started telling me about the improv thing, I was like, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> right. I, I told you before the show, like everybody kind of gets this point of like, I don't know what to say. And so wait, so can we so re-edit that? So the answer would simply be yes, and that would be that would be better. <laughs> is I, I think if if there was one thing that I I looked at throughout the show, it was that that was you know okay. for me because that's something that I've used. It's it's something that I've recognized within myself of like just keep just keep looking for more. Like I, I look now, I look back at my dad's you know my dad's loss, and I'm like that's it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. It's the thing that changed my life. You know, and, and so that just that idea of it's not negative, it's just there, it's just a thing, right? And I can even make it positive of like, look at where I am now, right? Like how many people I've affected 100% started from where, I, where my dad made that choice. And, and so like that ability to say yes and, and improvise, you know, and adapt and overcome all of this tragedy, all of this trauma, all of these, you know, painful obstacles, it's powerful, right? When you can kind of narrow that down and explain that, that when, when you said that, I was like, that's it. That's, yeah. that's that one thing that she's going to forget that that's, that's the answer it. to the question. Oh, and I did it. Okay. But that's the answer. That's what I want. Can we do that? You don't edit, but if you edited it, that's what it, you, you that's know what, what the, be. you know what the best part is? What? Everybody heard it before. Yay. Before you answer the question. So I yeah. answered it before. You see, I was so good at the yes and that I predicted it. It's perfect. I, I love it. I'm glad you I'm glad you said it earlier. And I don't even care if you didn't say it this time. It was it was well put. It was well said. I think it's I think it's so niche to you as well. Yeah. Of like like the comedy, the theater, like it 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 makes you who you are. And it like I see that like in the future of like that's that's a piece of you you know, that yes. And the improvisation, it just, it just fits you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Wonderful. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a tool that has been used and, and taught by the, the greatest of greats and people you probably know and love. And I, you know, that's my, that's like, I just follow it religiously and I, you know, uh, and I, and I preached it a lot and now I'm actually also doing it. Uh, Cause yeah. And I think I've also been doing it with other things, but yeah, I think it's, I think that's it. Yeah, it's yes and. <laughs> well, Mirav, it's been an honor. I, I love this conversation. I think it's so important what you're doing and, and I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you so much as well. Of course. And for, for you listeners out there who are still listening, thank you for showing up. Thank you for listening. I hope you uh, find a way to connect with, with this wonderful woman and have a conversation if you can. And uh, 
we'll catch you next time on the Dylan experience. And, and that's it. <laughs>